and this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Brian and Josh to answer. You guys ready? So, yep. All right. First question is, what got you guys into real estate? Let me go first. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. So, um, just to be quite honest with you, from from 18 to 25, I'm 29 now. I had no clue what I was going to do with my life. I'm the opposite of the stereotypical <laughs> East Asian. Right, so you, you probably know so so much about the Asian community. Yeah, you can um, be a doctor or a dentist. Which one do you want to be? Yeah, or a lawyer, right? Or a nurse. So I didn't go the college route. I was a troubled kid. Um, I'm kind. I, I used to be embarrassed about you know what I'm about to say, um, but I'm not anymore since I found real estate. But I actually got a 14 on my ACC. I barely passed. My mom got remarried and moved to Dallas, so I went went there. She asked me. She begged me to go to college, so I went to college. I went for two years. And I did not earn a single credit. So uh, she actually- Two years? Two years, yeah. Two years. I would pretty much go for the first couple of months, months of each year and I just stopped going. So I uh, moved back to Oklahoma. My uncle, he took me in and he was like, Alex, what are you gonna do with your life? And I told him, I'm like, uncle, I don't know. And at this point in my life, I'm 25. I have no desire to like have any ambitious goals. I just don't care. I was working at US Cellular at the time and he walks in and he says, hey, you should go get your realtor license and go work with investors. And the reason why he pointed that out is because he's actually the only entrepreneur of the family. He owns rental properties. So he told me about this class and he told me to go to an, an in-house course class so I could learn. He told me to go sit in the front uh, and I did. And um, anyways, the course begins and there's this like annoying guy in the back and he's answering every single question. I'm like, dude, who is this guy? He, like, why is he in this <laughs> class? He knows every answer. So I told myself, I'm like, you know what? During the break, the bathroom break, I'm definitely gonna, you know, go up to him and ask him like, hey, why are you here? You know every answer. So, you know, we proceed to the bathroom break and you know, I, hey, I'm Alex. He's like, hey, I'm Brian, this guy. And uh, I asked him, why are you here? And uh, how do you know every answer? He's all like, well, I own my own insurance company for the last couple of years. And then I'm also a real estate investor instantly a light bulb because my uncle told me hey go to realtor school get your license work with investors so immediately i'm like okay cool i have to ask this guy out for lunch once we get our license right so at the time he, you owned 18 yeah I, was, I just started in real estate i sold my insurance agency and just started buying properties at the right. time and i had about 18 leading up to that and i was getting my license to save money on mm -hmm. transactions i kept getting outbid i got outbid on probably 40 properties I was buying off the MLS, did not know what wholesaling was. Right. And so he comes along and I was getting my license just to save money. I thought if I could save 3%, I could offer 3% more. Mm -hmm. Right. It'd be a wash and I'd get more deals. So little did I know, like looking back on it now, this was my million dollar meeting. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, hadn't, I had no clue anything about this guy other than he owned a few rental properties, had his own insurance company. So fast forward two weeks, it was a fast paced like realtor school. Got my license, called Brian up. Brian got his license, kind of funny. I passed by one question. He got like a 98, right? So nothing's changed so far. Mm -hmm. uh, my uncle's excited for me. He's like, hey, got your license. Um, I'm gonna give you three properties to sell off market. I'm like, sweet, I have lunch with this guy, Brian, I just met, he's a real estate investor. So I go to, uh, there's this local joint uh, called The Garage. It's on like 122nd or Hefner and May, that's irrelevant. But um, <laughs> we meet up there and um, I have a piece of copy paper. And I show Brian, there's an address, a purchase price, and a rent amount. So these were already rented through Section 8. He takes a look at the piece of paper and he's like, I want them. I'm talking 10 seconds, right? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you want them? You haven't, you haven't seen them. Yeah. And he's all like, no, I trust you. I'm all like, you trust me? Like you haven't seen the properties. He's like, you said it was rented, right? I said, yeah. 
He's like, I'll just do a drive-by, right? So this was a huge moment in my life because the most I had ever made in my life during a month span was $2,000, $9,000 in one day, my first mm -hmm. day having my license. So over the course of that year, it was 2017. Real estate's going to be easy. It's, yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, man, this is that awesome, crazy, right? Yeah. So I just made triple the amount uh, that I've ever made in my life. So uh, during that whole year, my I have a few other uncles, they... Um, they have real estate uh, properties and they would give me their properties and I would just kind of move them to Brian. Right. And then he right. had friends that were interested as well. So I sold like my entire uncle's portfolio <laughs> to Brian <laughs> and to some of his friends. And then I guess Brian can kind of talk about how he got started. So. Yeah. And I, those deals were one of those, when you see it, it's just, they, there's no way they could not work kind mm -hmm. of deal. So it was really right. easy. He didn't know that at the time looking <laughs> right. back now, yeah. he would buy them in a split second or wholesale them for back, $10,000 or wholesale them for $10,000 <laughs> yeah. each and stuff like that. So it's funny that, Right. It's just an interesting thing to see how that was a life-changing moment for both of us. It really honestly was for both of us at the time, but neither of us knew it at the time. Mm -hmm. True. I just I was getting some deals and I was happy about <laughs> that. So, But yeah. I got into real estate. Mine was different. I had an insurance agency for about nine years and I uh, that was fine. Everything was good, made good money. I just saw a transition of what I was doing within the agency and realized that's not what I wanted to be at. And every wealthy person that I'd ever met on real estate usually lots of it, different stuff from single families all the way up to big commercial stuff. And so I like always knew like in the back of my mind, I wanted to own real estate. Through insurance that you knew that or you, other people? Just other people that I knew. So nothing totally unrelated. A lot of my clients though, that my wealthier clients owned multiple rentals. Mm -hmm. and there's, it always was in the back of my mind to do that. So I knew that was, that was going to be something I wanted to pursue. I've always wanted to own a subway rentals and storage units. <laughs> I have no idea why. The subway will never happen. Honestly, I don't want that kind of thing, but just in general. I've heard good things about subway. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I have too. But I just, at this point in my life, I was like, I'll stick to just regular real yeah. estate. I might own the strip center mm -hmm. and lease to someone who wants to have their own subway because right. I don't want to now. But yeah. I, uh, I decided to sell my agency. The lady that I sold my agency to was a friend of mine and it was perfect timing for her to buy my agency. It was kind of a perfect time at that time to just get out of the business. Things were changing. It actually was a blessing more than I knew at the time but she had just bought 14 rentals mm. and she was always what I would consider wealthy. She'd always done really well. And so I talked with her, she introduced me to her banker and it was the bank I started with. And I remember meeting with him, I sat down with a meeting, he explained the process. And I remember like at the very end, I was like, so you're telling me, I literally didn't believe him. I was like, so you're telling me if I buy this with my own money and I fix it up, you'll refinance up to 80% of mm. my money out. He's like, yeah, I was like, are you sure? I didn't believe him. It seemed too good to be true. I was like, mm. I can find a deal. Right. I was willing to do the work. I was willing to put in sweat equity and actually do the work. And uh, at the time I was like, I can make this work. So that's how I started specifically getting into real estate. I sold my agency, started buying properties. As I said earlier, I got outbid on so many properties. I was like, I got to figure out something because I'm not going to get as many deals as I want to. Right? So let me ask you this question because there's a lot of people that try to do this on the side. Uh -huh. Why did you sell your agency? I wanted out of that business. And I, it, it was time consuming. What I told my wife when I went home was like, if I stay in this, I'm going to die in like 10 years of stress. Like it was just too much. Mm. I had seven staff members, which is not a lot for a lot of people, but at the time it was just more stuff to deal with. Renewals, everything changing. Oklahoma is a really unique insurance state because of the amount of storms we have. Rates fluctuate dramatically. It's normal to get your home insurance to go from 1800 to 2400 or 2800 over one renewal. And so it's a lot of disruption, a lot of selling. And I had people that would call, my name was on the agency and the company I was with would not allow anything different. 
So I'd had people would call back, I need to talk to Brian Higgins right now. And it'd be over a, a minor, a billing issue. They drafted the account on the fourth instead of the fifth and they're upset about it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm canceling all my policies if I don't talk to Brian right now. And I couldn't get my name off of it where a lot of people with a business, you can distance yourself. You can yeah. have XYZ insurance. They don't even know you exist, but I couldn't. Right. And so I was like, man, if I'm stuck here forever. And I saw real estate as a pathway to freedom for all the reasons that we do as well like what we do now so we you know we're obviously still very involved in our business right now but by choice so you mentioned in the beginning that you acquired um like 14 18 rentals something like that Mm -hmm. before you got licensed yeah and you had possibility to buy like 40 that you got bid out on yeah um i guess what you talked about the the wanting to create wealth that that's what got you down that road but the burr strategy Mm -hmm. like you know a lot of people that listen to the show tend to be more wholesaler yeah centric what was it about burr what was it that attracted you to go down that road i could buy more properties with the least amount of cash possible out of my own pocket so it allowed me to buy more without having to have i talk to people in real estate all the time and we get asked this question a lot of you know how do you have 160 houses do you have like 20 million dollars in the bank are you just super rich daddy's rich yes (laughs) daddy's rich i didn't have a rich dad my dad was a pastor never made tons of money and that strategy allowed me to do that. I knew I could find a deal and I knew I was willing to work. I laid flooring, I painted houses, I fixed trim, I fixed plumbing, all those things I was willing to learn. And YouTube and Google are your best friend for almost anything in a house if you're willing to do it. Mm-hmm. I got to the point where I didn't need to because I found some good contractors that were reasonable and I could make numbers work that would still work. Um, and so that was kind of that transition. But we get that question a lot from people like, how do I do this? Like, I don't have any money. And a lot of people transition from wholesale, they get into wholesaling to get mm-hmm. cash to right. buy deals. Right. But putting 20% down, I can't afford to put 20% down on my portfolio. You know, it's just that's so much money. Mm-hmm. So Burr strategy allows you to do that. And exactly. I think you need to be willing to grind a little bit in work. And it is hard to do it on the side. But I know people that do that with a full-time job. They work in the evenings. Again, if you're going to do it, do it. You know, buy that house, learn to put flooring in, buy a basic click lock, learn to do tile. Google's an amazing friend and that process is very simple. That's the one thing about houses is beyond a few things like fixing a heat and air unit or some very specific things. A lot of the stuff you can physically do yourself. It's not terrible. You can get cheap help to help you just hourly labor. Um, So did you guys partner up initially right out of real estate school or like what was that? That was just me going around. You know, I would network network with wholesalers. We have a whole bunch of really good wholesalers in Oklahoma City. I, I still at this time didn't know what wholesaling homes was. Mm-hmm. Legitimate, had no idea. I bought homes from probably wholesalers on Craigslist that I didn't know they were wholesaling. Mm-hmm. I just I was buying a house from someone to listed on Craigslist. And all I'm thinking is I need to be a person of value so I can be valued by him, right? Because mm-hmm. he didn't know it, but I knew he was gonna be my mentor. Mm-hmm. Till this day, he hates when so I call him that, but he's my mentor. Mm-hmm. So I knew because we both had our licenses, it would make no sense for me to find uh, on-market deals. Theoretically, he could do the same thing. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go, I still don't really know how to wholesale, but I know wholesalers know how to wholesale. So I'm gonna network with them, get on their buyers list, go meet with them, hang out with them, get to know them, get those deals first, right? And then I would attach a finder's fee. I'd ask Brian, like, please, like, you, you know, you've never seen a deal like this. And he would look at the deal and be like, what is this? Like, this is an on-market, uh, off-market deal. We call it a wholesale deal. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, do you mind if I add $2,000 or whatever to it? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I didn't care because it was a good deal. You right. know, numbers worked. Yeah. Right, right. So pretty much it was 2018 March. Okay, I'm still finding deals for him, for him on the side. Uh, I went on bigger pockets for some reason. I haven't been on since like 2016. Okay, all I do was edit my profile, and in that bio I said, "Hey, I work with out-of-state investors. If you're an out-of-state investor, please email me, give me a call." 
at that point, I only worked with one out-of-state investor, but hey, I'm not lying. So mm -hmm. long story short, uh, about a week later, I get an email, a long email, and I think it's spam, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what is this? You know, so it's pretty much this person in a different state, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, and she is saying, hey, I had this big group of investors, right? Doctors, lawyer, lawyers, uh, Facebook people, whatever, people who work for Google, and we're looking to invest in the Midwest, but we're looking for a realtor to work with, right? So I still kind of thought like, hey, is it spam or what? I get right? those emails, I always think they're spam. All right, so you know, That's I'm gonna be way. honest with you. So she asked like, can I interview you? And the only reason why I said yes to the interview is because I thought the, the lady was pretty attractive. She had a portrait. I'm like, sure, <laughs> you know, whatever. So I remember exactly where I was. Uh, my Oklahoma friends tuning in right now will know. I was driving on 23rd in Portland, just driving around. I get this out-of-state number calling me. And I'm like, man, who is this? But I'm going to pick it up because I'm a realtor. I got to pick it up. So I picked it up and it's her. So she immediately dives into the interview, right? So. She asked me two questions that she asked several other realtors in the metro, and they did not know how to answer it. And she asked me, what is cash on cash return? And then she asked me, what's cap rate? And I answered it just freely, right? And then she said to me, she paused and said, no one's been able to answer that. Really? And, I, and I laughed. I'm like, <laughs> I laughed. I'm like, really? Like, I just learned it off of YouTube, honestly, like a couple weeks before. Right? Yeah. I didn't tell her that. So she told me, she's like, hey, uh, I want to start sending you some deals. Or sorry. Sorry, she said, I want to start working with you guys. And can you please send me some deals? I'm like, sure. So instantly, you know, it's kind of ironic because I mentioned 23rd in Portland for a reason. Okay. Kid you not, I get an off market deal from a broker, 23rd in Portland. Okay. I, I get the, uh, the PL, the rent roll, email it to the investor and her. Five minutes later, it's in contract. I'm mind blown. I'm yeah. like, I'm, Look, about, I'm yeah. about to sell an 18 unit apartment all because I just, updated my bio on bigger pockets saying mm -hmm. claiming I work with out-of-state investors right yeah. um, so you know that sale went through in the fall of 2018 but then I have like 30 or 40 families like just annoying me it's getting really stressful um, Brian's like hey how's that relationship going you know in mm -hmm. Pacific Northwest with that person I got introduced to her at the exact same time and in talking with her and so I got I built a relationship with a bit very very minor just in general he was the one this was his right. deal that he was doing and uh, but, I was just helping him. He'd call me and ask questions about different things in the area, different properties coming up. And so I was more, I was in a weird way, like right. kind of consulting with him just mm -hmm. to help. Right. And so she called me one day and she's like, hey, like, I, you know, I, I think we're just overwhelming out. It's just too much, right. too many investors, which is a good problem to have. It's like yeah. too many buyers, mm -hmm. right? Like right. that's insane, right? <laughs> and so anyways, he was getting deals and sending to him what they were doing. They were doing properties, but it was just a lot, a lot of questions. A lot of new investors that require a lot of information, a lot of training, a lot of help along the way. Most gotcha. of these people were not. Not sophisticated. No. And they were not buyers. That Once we got them acquainted, you know, kind of accustomed to it, they understood more. They were all very intelligent people. Mm -hmm. Like all of them were extremely intelligent. and But I think a lot of them would fall into the analysis paralysis category mm -hmm. where just they need a lot of information. That's consuming when you're constantly asking questions. And they deal with the same they deal with the same circumstance and that, but that's the nature of what they do as a business. Right. And so he was like, I tried to call him and I was like, actually, I haven't talked to Alex in like a week. That's kind of weird. And so <laughs> right. I call him and I was like, hey man, you're going to lose this and this is my retirement plan. Right. <laughs> right this right. is my retirement plan. You need to keep this relationship. So I'll help you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to help you. We'll 50, 50 split and I'm going to help you. And so I, did, I said, get me to, at the time I said, get me to 60 properties. I was at like maybe 45. Yeah. So get me to 60 properties. I won't buy any more properties. I'll just help you. We'll sell and do really you know it, it would it'd be a very profitable business and it right. was and we, that's that's essentially what started the transition to selling to investors right so it was, and, uh, it was january of 2019 brian decided to help me out at that point i'd sold like four properties to you know the west coast 
end of, end of December 2019, 120. Oh, multifamily so, sold a 37 storage units. Unit, storage unit sold a big storage unit north of, north of right. the city, and um, really interesting process. We learned a lot just in general. It expedited so fast. I think a lot of people where you drink the fire hose, mm -hmm. and it's so much information. It's so much to do. I never planned to do 120 rehabs in one year, plus the ones we were doing for myself as well. So we probably rehabbed 160 homes that year. Gotcha. So is, not only were you selling it to them, you're rehabbing it. Right. So that's part of our deal. We would sell it. We'd I can see why you're overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was thinking, I was thinking like 40 transactions, like whatever. No yeah. big deal. But we weren't doing that at the time. He was just selling them properties and connecting them with contractors. Yeah. And they had connections with other contractors and property managers they were already working with. And that just wasn't going to work. So when we started selling them, we said, hey, we'll sell you the deal. We'll also fix it for you at cost, mm -hmm. which is unique. No one does that. I mean, where can right. you call and get a Burr property that someone takes care of everything from you, including put, putting a tenant in? Mm -hmm. And you're going to you're going to end up, depending on the appraisal and the appraisal and the rehab, they're going to, of course, fluctuate because you're buying an as is property. But you're going to end up with anywhere from 10 to 20 percent equity. We had some people that had 30 or 40 percent equity and unique deals right. where we try to be conservative on our numbers. We would never send out a deal that has 150 ARV if we weren't sure. And we mm -hmm. always would be on the low end. So we've had properties we sent out with 140 ARV and it'd be 185 appraisal, stuff like that. Right. But yeah. we would never have suggested 185 ever in a million years because it was a unique circumstance. So so what's the difference between what you were doing with the uh, investors on the West Coast versus selling turnkey? Well, that's what it was. That's so, what it was. So we basically would sell to them at a discount. We would fix it on on their dime, but we were doing it at cost. So they all, they're all in around 80% as opposed mm -hmm. to your typical turnkey buyers all in at a price value. So they're buying it, putting 20% down. In this case, our investors are leaving with almost 20% equity, in mo give or take five. And what kind of cash on cash were they getting? Oh, anywhere from 35 to 100. Yeah. I mean, infinite. It's just ridiculous. Right, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's they're, out of control. They're, they're getting deals with <laughs> zero, zero money. I mean, they're burring out-of-state deals, and they're not having to ever touch it. They send yeah. photos and send checks. Right. And I right. mean, that, that doesn't – we've talked to other people in CG as well. we talked to other people that have tried that model and mm -hmm. had issues with it. And we have we – have, had issues the same. Our biggest thing is explaining to someone that as a contractor, if we give a rehab that's 14 to 16, if it comes in at $16,100, they're like, I thought it was 16. Like, what was the max? I'm like, well, we're doing this at cost. Like, 16.1 was the actual cost. Like, we didn't mark up. There's no way for us to eat $100 when it, that's just what it actually money. costs. We're not making money on the construction side. And that's so weird. I think people got hung up on the idea that they're expecting us, you know, we're making some kind of profit on the construction. So if, uh, if there's a, a budget overage or something like that, you guys eat it, we eat it and mm -hmm. we weren't. And we also were doing $28,000 worth of work for 16,000 because mm -hmm. we're doing it at the exact same cost we that we pay. So we're doing it at the absolute best cost possible. So explaining that kind of going over that, that was one of the things that yeah. we learned to be more thorough, better communication. Some things we learned, it was hard. Honestly, that first year was tough because we did so many deals. Mm -hmm unexpectedly in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So how did you guys manage that many properties to, uh, as a contractor? I mean, you didn't have your DC uh, license yet. No, I do it. I he was just, just doing he's it. He's a lion. Yeah. He's Mufasa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a running joke uh, back in Oklahoma City that he's Mufasa, but in this story, he doesn't die. And yeah. I'm Simba. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you just figured it out. Yeah. Just and like it, we talked about. And that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's something we talked about uh, just before this, you know, oh. uh, the, the consistency or the the trait that we typically see. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah, the trait that we generally see. We saw another a friend, a mutual friend of ours on Facebook post about this, but a mutual trait that we see amongst people that are uh, successful, but also just doing things at a high level 
is that they just do it. Mm-hmm. They'll figure it out. We joke about this too, but they'll figure it out. Right. And they'll dive in, they'll go. And that's how I've always been. Once I understand a very basic understanding, my very first house I bought, I bought three. Mm-hmm. I bought, put one in contract, immediately put another one in contract, and three days later put another one in contract. Because once I saw that I could make the numbers work, mm-hmm. it was very simple and very straightforward and very clear. I don't get caught up in analysis paralysis as you do as well. Okay. We were talking about that. That's one common trait with these people. A lot of people we see in CG and some of these things, they just do it. Yeah. And they'll take their lumps. We've all taken our lumps yeah. in the business. We're not perfect. No. Yeah. We're not just willing to fail. I've been exactly willing to fail and being okay with it and knowing that I will just pick back up and do the same thing. Yeah. Big fail, small fail, doesn't matter. You know, I was having a conversation with my wife uh, a few months back and the problem that we have uh, is that we just move at different speeds. Yeah. So like, you know, let's say we, we have a goal that we accomplish together, you know, like a financial goal, asset goal, whatever. And it's great. We hit our goal. Right. Yeah. But then the next milestone, she's like, you know, we can just improve at 20%. I was like, if we can just five X this, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. and so like, I will never be satisfied. Yeah. And she's like, why can't we just move slower? It's like, but what's the point? Why move slower? <laughs> right. That's, that, that's a common thought for us. Cause mine's the same way. Why buy 20 homes when you can buy a hundred? Yeah. If the birth strategy works and you can make it work, why would you ever not buy? Like, yeah. Why would you ever stop? You could, I mean, let's just, let's just max out this credit yes, card right, right now. Let's a go. A billion dollars in assets <clears throat> if you wanted to, if you know, again, perfect world we all know there are deals we've had everybody's had deals that go south you've mm-hmm. had deals you have more money tied up than you expected yeah things go wrong you buy a house i bought a house and a week after they turn on the, the i did an inspection it's one of the very first 18 i bought mls deal they did an inspection turn on the power check everything out everything's fine i get there and i'm looking and i like i look up in the kitchen and there's a wet spot and i was like that, was that there it's like a little ring and i was like no so i left the next day i came back and it was bigger but i was like is that bigger <laughs> So I took a picture of it the next day I came back and it was like four feet wide and the furnace was above it and had an issue with the furnace. Mm-hmm. It was a lay down unit in the attic and we did the inspection. It was off this whole time. So when they did the inspection, they turned it on, but it took about a week for the condensation to build up to leak into it. So I had to replace the furnace mm-hmm. almost immediately. Right. You know, and I didn't budget or plan for that. It was nope. fine and the deal was good, but that's just life. That's mm-hmm. real estate. And I didn't freak. I was just called around. And I, that's, I still to this day use the same heat and air guy. The guy that he bid, he bid me a reasonable cost. I had people walk through and like, you got to redo the ducting in here and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I'll just put a new furnace in. <laughs> like, that's fine. And so we still use that same guy to this yeah. day. Because he was honest. Yes, yeah. he was honest and straightforward. And mm-hmm. he didn't, there was no BS about it. But I learned that and I didn't panic when that happened. Some right. people panic. You just like, hey, I'll figure it out. And it was a great deal. And that always helps. Buying right, of course, is the key to everything. Right. For sure. Anyone would tell you if you yeah. get the right price on your purchase, you're fine for most anything for the most part. So. So that was 2019. Mm-hmm. 2019. What about 2020? So November of 2019, I get a call from Brian. And um, at this point, again, he has a portfolio of 60 properties. I just bought three that year, but I also made a lot of cash. And I'm kind of freaking out for tax season. But Brian surprises me with an amazing call. And he's <laughs> like, hey, man, um, all these properties you're putting in contract? I'm like, yeah. He's like, we're buying them now. I'm like, why? He's like, we're buying them now. I'm all like, buying so everything. We're buying everything. So he was, you know, not fed up. That was a great experience working with uh, who we worked with on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Made a lot of cash, helped a lot of people, yeah. um, you know. Find, Build generational yeah. wealth for people. I mean, legitimate wealth, wealth. Right. So he makes that call. Yeah. And I remember that November, we put 30 deals in contract. We closed on every we, yeah, yeah, closed on almost all of those in that same calendar year between right. like November 17th to December 31st. Mm-hmm. I was like, we're buying everything. That's where the OPM comes in. But I was like, we're buying everything. <laughs> if I'm going to do all this work, I'm going to work 12 hour days, 14 mm-hmm. hour days. My wife is like, 
you need to like you need to come back like we need to reel this back in like i come <laughs> when part of uh, investors being at different time zones mm -hmm. i come in at five it's three or it's 7 p.m they're getting off work mm -hmm. and they have a question so they call and i'm walking around my house at seven talking playing with my kids talking on the phone and giving them the, the due service that they deserve as clients of course so we're talking and i was like we got to do something different so mm -hmm. then talking with a friend of mine who's like hey like you should just keep all these deals so you're doing all this work you might as well keep them build the wealth for yourself yeah so we did yeah and we bought 100 and more than 100 and we did still sell properties so we sold properties covid was a very unique year for everybody including us um lending was an issue uh that's where the the private money comes in we used we started raising private money we joined cg at that time and learned about other ways to do it the before all we had raised it which is one way that a lot of people do just by telling people i was telling talking about what we were doing mm -hmm. not realizing that people would reach out to me later right. like hey i want to lend to you i was just telling them what we were doing I had no idea never crossed my mind to even ask or think that they would lend right and we were just i was just hey we're buying houses and you know we're doing private money and we're paying this and getting this they're getting a great return and we're buying these properties and that's that started that conversation right. but we bought the majority of properties we we put in contract in 2020 and we sold, I think we still ended up selling like 25, maybe. 25. Yeah. So extra cash. So, so when did this uh, Berkey thing come into play? We really from 2019, we started doing that. And then that's, we, one of our clients coined that term, whatever she called you, because you're basically doing turnkeys, but they're bird deals. They're like burn keys. Mm -hmm. And that's how it came up at that time. So we started jokingly calling that at that time, yeah. that term. But in 2020, we decided to keep the majority of them. And it became an issue of getting lending during that time because of COVID hit. So that's why we started, we started selling some as well. And yeah. um, more of that, just going through the process with banks, with PPP and EIDL loans, all those things. Banks had a lot of reasons to take their time. Mm -hmm. Appraisers not going in properties. So we were holding properties a lot longer than we expected, waiting on banks, um, found a lot of new banks, talked to some really good ones, found the best bank ever that we've ever worked with during this process, which was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but COVID was an interesting year. So then we decided to transition back to, hey, at this point, like getting lending when your portfolio gets in the $10, $20 million range, like it just, it's not that simple to just mm -hmm. send some up. Some Sometimes it is and it depends on the banks, but I was like, I don't want to get in a situation where we're having to hold properties for X amount of time. Right. Unless right. we have, so we do this now as well with private money. And this is one thing like Jay Connor talked about. Well, Alex, I know we'll give him a shout out to Jay Connor there later, but- Jay Connor is awesome. And talking about that, I know he does a lot of funding with private money where they're holding his properties mm -hmm. indefinitely, not just temporarily. We always thought so kind of singular focused. I'm a very, I, I can definitely find myself getting singular focused. I just, one way works and I just keep doing it mm -hmm. until someone's like, hey, what about this? I'm like, oh, that's a great idea too. So I, you know, <laughs> kind of reevaluate at the time. And, yeah. So I, Jay, during that meeting, I was like, man, we could do that. So now we do that. When we raise private money, we changed our terms. We still offer a good interest rate, but we changed our terms on what we were willing to do. That way we can use that money indefinitely. So we have them sign one-year agreements. Mm -hmm. We pay them at whatever payment structure they'd like, whether it was three months, six months annually. We give them that choice mm -hmm. and we pay them their interest at the time, but we took away uh, origination points. fees, points, points, anything like that to get yeah. away from that. So we can hold properties a little longer without getting hammered and right. use it for multiples. So if we have one one investor calls their $100,000, we'll just use another investor's 100 to co to cover it mm -hmm. and vice versa. It's not that we were just getting hammered too. I would say we just didn't know any better. Yeah. We, we thought, you know, I'll just throw the number out there. We were getting charged four and 10, but we were getting 100% of what we were asking. Four and 10? Yes, yeah. I know, Steve. <laughs> wow. I know. But again, <laughs> We had some that were two and 12. We had some that were two and 10. It kind of varied on stuff. But part of that too, if I told you you could get that, you have all your money out, including 
your your OPM fees mm-hmm. factoring in the deal, and you're going to own a property outright with no with no cash tied up. Like it's still worth it to do. Our purchase yeah, prices are so low. Different market though, too. Yeah, city, right? that is very true. Under hundred thousand. Yeah, so we versus... don't have to do that anymore, and that's yeah. part of it too. So now that change, and it kind of was an eye opening experience yeah. that you know we talked to other uh, private money lenders in other states, like out here where purchase prices are higher. Mm. They're doing two and ten, two and twelve. Some are less than that one, no. even less. Interest only. Not in Phoenix. Interest only. Not in Phoenix. Uh, any Phoenix uh, private money people <laughs> hit us up in this chat after we yeah. get an email in our. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, but they have to be like. I mean, is nine ninety five doc fee? Yo, okay, yeah. So we but have no points. What about appraisals? No, nothing. Yeah, so okay. it, that's it's not one hundred percent though. For sure, right? It's not one hundred percent financing. But anyway, uh, so you guys are for twenty twenty, COVID obviously mm-hmm. was a challenge for sure. How did it impact your guys' business directly? As besides the financing part, I mean, there must have been some other challenges as well. That was the main issue. We bought a lot of deals in yeah. 2020. Yeah. We, so they did slow down a little bit from wholesalers. Yeah. The MLS being so hot. To be honest, I think it actually even helped. To be honest, mm-hmm. so appraisers wouldn't go in, so they would just get a scope of work, take a picture of the outside, and we get the value that we yeah. assumed it would be. Yeah, right. So actually helped. There were things that helped for sure. We got more deals. We were still buying actively when a lot of people were nervous to they buy. You were holding back. Yeah. And you were just pressing forward. Yes. And uh, we knew lots of invest, like lots of wholesalers that slowed their marketing or mm-hmm. limited it completely. So there were less wholesale deals out there. There were still people actively looking and finding deals. So we were getting deals that way. But we also had um, being willing to buy and just being willing to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, ultimately that, that and hold it with private money. We raised... Um, I mean, I think just during this year alone, we used $9 million in private money just during that COVID year. That's so, not 4 and 10, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct, correct. Right. That was not 4 and 10. Yeah. So let's talk about that because that's something that's always an interesting topic. Yeah. Right. How did you guys raise $10 million yeah. in funds? Yeah, so pretty much, you know, we got introduced to Collective Genius. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out Jason Mendley, Frank Cobb, and Leo, Leo Barnes, Leon Barnes. Corey Boatwright. Um, Corey, yeah, Corey Boatwright. He's the, the local mogul in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. and he referred us over. So I remember, uh, you know, I was walking in the office one day, Brian's like, hey, come on, there's about to be a meeting, and uh, Jay Cotter was on. So mm. I didn't know who Jay Cotter was at the time, but he starts to go into his presentation of private money. That's right when I joined. Really? Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, cool. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So back in the spring? Yeah. Okay, he's, cool. Yeah, mid, mid of the year. So he's pretty much, you know, he has this whole, like, presentation, has all these flyers, and it's really just asking for it, right? So mm. I know we touched, touched a little bit about that, you know, but just ask for it and then so it pretty much became important to us after that call we have to tell everyone we've been talking to a few people mm-hmm. let's tell everybody let's just simply ask we have credibility we've done this many deals right uh let's just ask and then austin and jake giraffe 23 year olds they've been on your show before crazy killers killing it right killing yeah. it they they put a flyer on facebook and it's like a light bulb i'm like well okay flyer zoom call let's do the same thing right mm-hmm. so we did the same thing on that Zoom call, I think we had 12 people, including my yeah. mom, who never wanted to invest in our company at all. At <laughs> um, and we converted four people, which then later on converted two more. Mm-hmm. Right? So 12 people yeah. on the call and six people went, wanted to invest at 12% interest. Yeah. And we were previously getting charged four and 10. So yeah. um, just asking. Yeah. Right? Right. Just simply asking. I think a lot of the times we get afraid to ask because it just seems, how can I ask this guy for $100,000? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, if you break it down, and if you let them know it's backed by a mortgage and, and I'm getting it at 50% of the dollar. Hey, if I just so happen to leave the country, you get this house, but I'm in the process of buying foreclosed homes. I don't want to be foreclosed on, right? Mm-hmm. So I just explain it to people very basic and, you know, 
sooner or later you'll get a few yeses. Yeah. But twelve people came on the Zoom and you guys raised nine million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good numbers <laughs> from for nine sure. people or from twelve people. Right. For sure. Yeah. And really, honestly, part of that too, we churned properties re- aggressively because we were buying and refinancing mm-hmm. aggressively as well. So that's part of it too. They may loan us $100,000 to buy a house. We refinance it three or four months later. We're buying it again. Mm-hmm. We already have a closing right. set up. So we're constantly churning. They didn't necessarily have $9 million to set aside just for us. Right. Got it. And so that's part of it too. But yeah. So you guys made a big transition, right, from 2019 to 2020, or I guess the end of 2019. Right. Yeah. What were some of the challenges besides financing, right? Because you got your operations, basically. Yeah. You guys did a 180 in your operations. Yeah. What were some of the challenges operationally, you know, with an organization? Really, for us, it got it, it got yeah, easier almost. As weird as that sounds. <laughs> as weird as that, I, for me, I, I generally am managing rehabs, managing the finances, managing a lot of the aspects of that business. That for me, when it turned to where it was my money and not another investor's money, I care. I don't want this sounds terrible to say, but I cared less. I cared more about the investor's money. So if there was a hundred dollars wasted as opposed to, I think that's normal. Okay. So yeah. I cared deeply. And that was very stressful in 2019 because if our guys went to fix something and messed something up, they broke a toilet setting it or something like that. It was because of our process, it was going to cost them another hundred dollars for a toilet, which again is, I know in the grand scheme of things is very minor. It was very stressful. When it was my money, I was like, yeah, they broke a toilet. Like, we'll survive. It's a hundred bucks. I, because I was a seasoned investor, I was used to it. So that made it easier. COVID adding things, the cost of things changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. The cost of our labor, materials, all those things. Even currently, two by fours finally came back down to like a reasonable amount. But at one point, a basic two by four stud was like seven dollars. When it mm-hmm. went from three twenty three to seven twenty three overnight, it felt like. Yeah. And so accounting for those costs, accounting for those changes operationally, he, we were still doing things the same way because he was still looking for deals the same way with the same people. I mean, all that process stayed the same. So as we were coming in, we'd already got a, we'd found all these new banks during that process. So we went through the finance, we went through financials with half a dozen banks. It felt like, and they were slow. Every bank for the most part, it felt like was slow playing the process because they were trying to figure, they were waiting to see it was election year mm-hmm. and it was COVID. It was what's the fed going to do. And, some of those things. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just kind of, yeah, it was a unique year. And so that delayed us. But for us, we just kept plugging along. One, we've never bailed on a contract and we never will. So if we put it in contract, we will close. Even if we were keeping it, selling it, doesn't matter. We have mm-hmm. we have borrowed money from friends to close a property. You know, they just other buddies that knew us and knew, even if it was for a day, an hour or, or t- you know, yeah. 10 days kind of deal. And we've done that. Um, so that helped as far as closing deals, but just in general, the process was the same because we were still rehabbing homes the same way at the same rate, essentially. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of funny. We met right in CG in Tampa. Yeah. Right. And you had made a post and your friends are like, how do you know Steve Trang? Right. Which I think is hysterical. Cause I, I was telling that story <laughs> to my wife. It's like their, their friends are impressed that they know me. Yeah. And I'll tell my wife, it's like, these guys made a million dollars and they don't pay taxes. I am more interested. I want to be them. So let's talk about that. How do you, how does someone get to a point where they're making a million tax free? Yeah. Buying lots of properties in a short period of time Mm -hmm. and spending lots of money on rehab. Yeah. So when they changed, I think it was in the the last administration came into office, they changed some rules on accelerated depreciation, being Mm -hmm. able to take that up front. Mm -hmm. So when you buy a property that you spend, Let's say you put a roof, heat and air, a whole bunch of different things to the property, paint, carpet. 
before you had to depreciate those assets out at different rates, mm -hmm. just like you do on a purchase, pro you know, a property 27 and a half years. And that is maybe three in Oklahoma, the purchase prices are so low that, you know, depreciating a house over 27 and a half years, that's a hundred thousand dollars. Your mm -hmm. cost base is, is nothing. I mean, you're getting a couple thousand dollars a year right off. You do that though, a hundred times in a year that adds up real quick to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Add the rehab on top of that, being able to take that accelerated depreciation up front and to you know put a roof on that you don't have to do it over 15 years or yeah. put in heat and air and so we give us the option to do that we will get to a point uh right now part of the reason we're able to do that is because we bought so many properties so fast and mm -hmm. spent so much on rehab during that time um we will do a cost seg when the time comes like i said that's a conversation with our cpa to do that to really get an additional breakdown right um, a more detailed breakdown to structure we just haven't needed to because so going back to what we said earlier um you already done it once where you can do a million tax free. Yeah. Why don't you just keep buying hundreds of houses every year and keep. So that's the plan. People ask us our goals. I, I don't know. We, we, we are. I, that's yeah. exactly right. That, so we still sell properties. It's nice to get easy cash. You know, and we don't, we don't pick and choose. If we put a house on contract, it's a house we were going to buy anyways. Mm -hmm. So like I said, we had two, we had, we closed on a duplex and two single families this week that we sent out to our investors and no one took it. Numbers didn't work, timing, cash was out, whatever the reason, no one took it. And we didn't send it to a lot of people, we just sent it to a few that we knew were buying right now. Mm -hmm. um, really quick, let me add, with any of my wholesalers, friends are listening, it's not a daisy chain, these are out-of-state buyers, friends, family that we work with, cool. So that's Correct. That adds off for most too. Yeah, and it, that's ne never our intent. I mean, like I said, we don't mass mail out stuff, we just have a few right. people that we, it's almost like preferred clients, if you will, is the best way to describe it. But Got it. We, uh, so we, Long story short, we still sell to those because the cash is easy to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. um, it's nice to get an influx of cash during that time for tax season hits and you got to pay taxes on 160 properties. That's never fun. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to get that. Uh, you come up with property taxes. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. End of the year. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Sad day. My wife's like, is it like this every year? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't 160 last year. So it didn't quite feel as bad. So you guys do property taxes once a year, mm -hmm. not twice a year. You can't know you can pay half now. Yeah, yeah, we do twice a year. That's why I'm just curious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ours is end of January and end of March are those two big days that. Wow. I know. It's weird. That's painful. Yes. All right. So you guys are acquiring lots of properties. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things, again, we, we talk about is a lot of wholesaling here. So sourcing deals is important. Yeah. How are you guys sourcing deals? That's probably one of the biggest things we would talk about specifically as far as, and Alex touched on earlier, and I'll let him explain it because he that's really his forte thing he's been extremely good at. Um, during this process. So he, he touched on it. Well, one, we have a really unique like community in Oklahoma City. I think it's different than most markets. Uh, we all get along, right? So, I mean, we're a big, big community of wholesalers, investors, flippers. We all hang out. It's not hanging out just to hang out. You know, we genuinely like each other. We would mm -hmm. consider each other a family. So, I mean, pretty much every day I'm hanging out with these guys. I'm evaluating deals with them. I'm the one, again, I'm single, have no kids. I see their deals first. I'm not going to speak for every wholesaler in the Oklahoma City market, but I would say three fourths of the, of the wholesale deals, we're receiving them first. And a big reason why is because like Brian said, we've never not closed on a deal. So your reputation is everything in this game, um, especially in Oklahoma. You know, we're a Southern hospitable state. We talk, right? As soon as you mess up, someone knows. Mm -hmm. So the last thing we want is to put something in contract, not close on it. And now Jason's telling Jeremy, right? Mm -hmm. So, hey, Brian and Alex didn't close on that. That's the last thing we want. So even if I put something in contract, I put deals in contract fairly fast, pictures, we buy side and scene all the time, all the time. I would say 98% of the time because we, we're in a hot market right now. Yeah. Um, even if I later on run my numbers 
And I realized, dang, we're gonna have like $5,000 tied up in this deal, but we'll still close, mm -hmm. always. So all of my friends in Oklahoma City, they know no matter what, once we sign or verbally agree, verbal is big too. Yeah. Uh, once we say, hey, we want it, we'll never back out. So for anyone who's new in the game, your reputation with real estate is super right. important. Um, if you mess up once, that could really dictate the rest of your real estate career. It'll be really tough. Even to if you're gonna be in a tight position, try to find a way to make it work. And if you absolutely can't explain your situation, it's like, I can't, you know, I wanted this, whatever your intentions are, as long as it's not your intent, right. that will also spread too, and can save your reputation just by being truthful. Uh -huh. yeah. And that's one of our biggest things is being truthful. We're both people, people, we're people pleasers. We like to yeah. have good relationships and keep good relationships. And right. they're, uh, you know, some of the deals that we get and a lot of the times the relationships we built are because we have built friendships with these people. I mean, a lot of the wholesalers, they're actual friends we meet. Take, like it's not, it was, there was never an intent in a business manner to do it, to make a connection with somebody for X, Y, Z. We are helpful to people. They want to run comps. They want to run numbers. They run numbers by us all the time, even on deals we don't buy. Right. And we'll you've help helped, deals. I mean, you've helped multiple wholesalers that are new in the game where they'll message him and ask questions. He'll help them verify their numbers. So they know even on deals we aren't buying. Um, that's, to, that's huge in the game yeah. too. If you're a new wholesaler, and your ARV is wrong. You don't want to build up a reputation uh, from you know investors who are buying. You know, I get just long story short, I get deals all the time from investors or sorry from wholesalers, not even look at it because they've already built that reputation from the get go. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not a deal. I won't even open the email. And every know, everybody knows it. You know, it's knows one of those it. things, and you build up that reputation of not knowing your numbers, not or not being able to justify it. People will ask, how did you come up with that ARV? Do you have right. comps and like, uh, and the, you know, crickets from that point, so. Right, it's just because they're trying to move a deal. They got, yeah. they got a skinny deal they're trying to move. Yeah. Facebook has been critical for us, and I don't know how it is in Phoenix or some of the other markets, but in Oklahoma, the Facebook, there's some very good wholesale groups on Facebook, actual wholesalers that are doing no good deals and mm -hmm. no spam, you know, just very minimal if it is. And right. that was very critical to getting connected with people. Is it still that good? Yes. Still like, in fact, I wouldn't still say I would good. say there's no spam. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe a comment a week of spam of, random. of Malik trying to sell his skip tracing. Yes. You know, so skip trace leads <laughs> and all that stuff, and so very little. But we built a lot of the connections we have through people. There are people. One of our good friends, Jack. He has Jack buys houses. These signs he puts all over the south side of the city. He's always done bandit signs. Everybody knows. I've known about Jack buys houses forever, and then I finally meet him like five years later, four <laughs> years later. I'm like, oh, he's Jack, you know? He's like one of our, best, like one friends of our best friends, you know? But it's just really? so we're the first ones up in the morning. Yeah. I'm at the point now. If I'm not there, I'm scared because I'm not going to get the deal, right? So <laughs> get, yeah, it literally feels like that. And you know, byproduct of it, a byproduct of it as well. We're working out. We're staying fit. We're, we're being being healthy. So kind of works out, you know? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, so let's see. So you guys are all commodities. So there's not really a lot of competition. Or is there still competition? Well, so there are a lot, I mean, there's a lot of wholesalers in Oklahoma City and people would argue that there's competition. We just don't see it that way. Right. Just our personal uh, you know, kind of observation of it, it doesn't feel that way. Um, you do have, and we know of stories where two wholesalers, three wholesalers go to the same house. And we've heard of stories where, you know, you do have circumstances where maybe one wholesaler takes a deal from someone else, maybe not in a, not in a good way, you know, not in a reputable way. And it will affect them on it getting will. deals and their connections with everybody else. And we all know about it. Right. I mean, just because we're so connected, but there are wholesalers that don't come to work out with us and know that we still work with yeah, them, you know? Like, for sure. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, the market is competitive. There are lots of wholesalers in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. uh, we bought, uh, last year we bought deals from 33 different, different wholesalers. Right. Wow. A lot of them were multiples. Um, mm -hmm. 
And so that, and it, we've had new ones even this year that yep. are people we know about deals from. And I looked, we always keep like a list of deals that maybe went bad. Not, mm -hmm. not nothing was wrong, but maybe they didn't close because of a probate issue or seller disappeared. You know, the seller stopped talking to the mm -hmm. wholesale. Everybody knows that we keep those. I looked, we have nine or 10 of those that have happened like in the last year that were like something happened. And they were all from different people, like every single one of them, but they're people we bought other deals from as well. None of them were one off. It was just kind of a unique one that. Yeah. Um, so you guys aren't doing direct to seller then? We are. We are now. So CG yes. has inspired us. In fact, we just hired um, my cousin and then also a good friend. So oh. we have two acquisition guys and mm -hmm. they're actually working right now. Gotcha. Probably watching us too, but they're working right now. We, we so. did some last year and some in 2019 as well, but very minimal, just sending out postcards, typical stuff. They landed us deals, which it worked, but it wasn't like a structured part of our business. It is for 2021. Yeah. yeah. So we got it. with a whole bunch of different providers. Yep. So walk me through your typical deal. What does it look like? Got it. Well, yeah, just I yeah, pick one if you want. Um, okay, cool. Uh, let's see if we can do a recent one, like an actual example. We just bought sixty-eight. Sounds like sixty-eight. Mm -hmm. Another one. That one. That was that was skinny. <laughs> uh, just one hundred and eleven. One hundred and eleven. So we bought it for seventy-eight five. It's a uh, house that'll be a four-two. Right. Um, we ended up renting it for. 12 it was a smaller one so we ended up running for 1250 i think ARV so what are you getting it at what are you putting into rehab gotcha. what are you guys refining it out at and what are you guys cash flowing so 78.5 was the purchase um the arv is 135 and brian's gonna go over the rehab real quick how much we put yeah, in i'm gonna look here we spent 12 for 12 four thirty on the rehab so the closing costs were all in like 92 yeah and then what, what's 80 percent of 135 I don't know. It's like 110. 110. Yeah. Yeah. So. So then are you guys also pulling out cash then? Yes. And your birds? Yes. All day. Gotcha. And it's tax free money. It is tax free <laughs> money. Now that's the best part. I wish we could do those uh, I, in Phoenix. Right. That no bankers or. No, just, it's just that the math doesn't work. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. First yeah. surprise. Yep. Come yeah. to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there there is an element of uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? The jealousy. So, <laughs> I mean, I hear like these people, you know, they're buying stuff for like for 20 in Mississippi, right? Right, right. Yeah. And renting out for 800. They're renting all them. Right. They're probably, they can't say they bought a portfolio of like 400 homes. It seems something like that. <laughs> yeah. Something crazy. I was going to look at the cash flow on that particular deal. I was just curious. What's on our that, average cash flow? Our average cash flow is just under $500 a day. Yeah. So, so that I mean, works really, that works really well. Yeah. Yeah. Those numbers. So then what, what is your, Taking construction aside, mm -hmm. what is for your operations, your monthly overhead then? Well, we just added these two people, their base plus commission. That our office rents like three hundred thirty dollars a month. Get out of here um, with three hundred thirty bucks a month. I know it's, uh, more it's brutal. I know <laughs> it, it's about the size though. For, for what it's worth, it's small. We have a lot of people back in. We don't have a ton. Of, uh, to be honest, it's different now with marketing. Of course, we started mm -hmm. bumping all that up. We signed up for Real Flow and. Uh, uh, roar texting and we just were paying a guy to build out podio for us and we used podio before but very basic thing mm -hmm. so our, those costs are obviously all increasing dramatically for 2021 for 2020 we had hardly any overhead costs yeah. we have a transaction coordinator who's actually we made her a partner she's awesome her name's angela she's incredible and she just she takes care of everything on the back end i just in general between myself and her back and forth we talk and pretty much handle the majority of the operation stuff and yeah. so it's mostly just her expense and just basic, you know, 
you think of like buying computers and printer paper and just basic stuff, to be honest, we try to get away from that. So we don't have a ton of expense. So is Corey one of the guys sending you guys deals? But right. Yeah, uh, we actually, have we ever done a deal with Corey? We have. I don't think we have, but okay. yeah, no, we, I mean, we obviously see his deals. No, we have through Speedy. So yeah, he, true, he, true. he partners actually, with some guys there. And so we've bought multiple deals with him, whether they came from him or not, I probably some of them did. Yeah. So just in like general. 10, so yeah. yeah. So some, some of them came from. So my question is this, if someone's in Oklahoma city, mm-hmm. right? You guys make it sound easy. Maybe you guys make, just make it seem really easy. What's to stop someone from doing the same thing you're doing? If you're not having the source to deals, see, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. We know people that are doing it. They're it's the seven. same deal at a high level. Jimmy yeah. Ogle is one of ours, a good I mean, friend of ours and Amin's doing Jasper, it. Jay, I mean, there's, there's tons. Yeah. Eric. Yeah. So there are so, other people doing it. Oh, that, for that, sure. Hold investors, yes. All day. Okay. They do the same exact thing we do. And there's plenty of houses to go around. Yeah. They're buying multiple houses. Jimmy probably bought 50 homes last year. He's also a wholesaler. He wholesale. Yeah. John yeah. Nolan, same way. Yeah. And uh, there are a lot of people doing that. that so there's uh, nothing stopping anyone from mm-hmm. doing the same yeah. thing. Not right? at all. Got it. Not at all. So you're saying I should just move the Oklahoma yes, City. You should, you'd have to leave it here, though. It's beautiful here. My wife wants to move here. I'm dead serious. <laughs> My wife was like, no, no, we're going to move here. Like, We need to buy a house. Like, Start looking. She's already looking at real estate. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, she needs a good agent. There. We got, uh, we'll, know, we got, yeah, we'll know where to send her. Got a lot of agents here. <laughs> Close here, <Nice>. too. <laughs> so uh, one question um, that uh, I don't know if it affects you guys, but do you guys get demotivated? And if so, what do you guys do? to jump back on the horse. Cause that's something that a lot of newer entrepreneurs run into. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really tell you why, mm-hmm. but I'll go, I think it's cause like, you know, almost everything is out there. So there's a lot, I do all the marketing on Facebook, Instagram. It kind of gets overwhelming at times. Cause we have, you know, and him as well, but I have so many people hitting me up. Mm-hmm. I get to a point, it's just so hard to keep up and I'm a people pleaser. I want to get to everyone. So there's seasons where I'm just like, maybe for one or two weeks, I'm just like, what am I doing? I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But again, Mufasa. I don't, I don't feel right? that way. I've never, <laughs> um, I honestly just never felt that way. No, but in a sense, man, <laughs> like with, without him, like he is my motivation, right? right? Like just to get more deals, to get up in the morning. Uh, you know, there was a time last fall where I stopped going to the gym. He never stopped, right? So if, if it wasn't for him, I, I would probably, there'd be seasons that the demotivation would last longer. Mm-hmm. Right? So really having an alpha, like Brian helped me out, motivating me. It helps a lot. So well, thanks, uh, yeah, it got you sure. right. But no, I I've never I've never felt it. But I know how it'd be easy to get in that. You know, a lot of people one negative thing, some bad thing happens, and it's easy to just kind of be like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. I think that's also a personality thing. So mm-hmm. finding people to be around you that goes back to going to the gym. Going to the gym is is great for me, but it's exponentially better, I think, for you as far as the structure that it provides in your he life. He needs it more, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I need it more, but he <laughs> needs it more for here. I need it for this. He needs it for this. But it's the same concept there that getting in that circumstance where you have that accountability, you have that show up, that drive, you show up and you don't. It's like going to the gym. When you get up and run, you feel better when you're done running. But you did not, when you got out of bed, a heater hits you and you're like, ah, this is all right. But like, it's still just right. not. It's not great, but when you get there and you get done, you're like you feel it, it, even if you don't feel, I don't finish working out at the gym. I'm like, oh, I feel accomplished now. Like it's not like that, mm-hmm. but I feel better. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel tired. I feel at, you know, I, I'm at it. We're talking to people. You're engaged with people talking. Our gym has a little nutrition center right, like right with it, where they sell shakes and teas and stuff like that. So a lot of times they'll sit and talk. Yeah. Um. So you kind of stay connected mentally as well as the physical side, and but the structure really matters. So if someone is demotivated, um, they tell them to. Find a find accountability partner like mm-hmm. your running buddy. You yeah. know your the accountability partner. You get that that matters a lot to people, and it can keep someone even someone who is highly motivated and has that internal drive. They can still 
I look forward to going to the gym, to seeing mm -hmm. the people there. And I don't necessarily need it, but I look forward to going there to be around those people. Yeah. So it's the same concept for me. Yeah. Um, so I'd find an accountability partner, someone who is interested in what they're doing. That would help too if they're in real estate. That'd be huge. Um, right. They don't have to go to a gym, but just finding somewhere to go. And that's where like Aria could be, you know, if they, is that really common around here? The local meetups? Aria's, Aria's yeah. Okay. Oh, I mean, they were a lot more common before COVID. COVID yeah, for sure. Right. I shut mine down. Getting connected, yeah. And getting connected with just other people that are doing stuff. It's motivating when you're around people that are doing things. Yeah. Get connected to a buyer, even if it's not, not to bug them, but just to stay connected to someone who's actively right. doing. Everybody knows multiple people in town that are just buying it. It feels like they're buying everything. Mm -hmm. We have people like Omega. We have mm -hmm. a guy in town that buys tons of stuff. And we know multiples, Jimmy. And they know, you know, get on Facebook. You'll see it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You'll see, you'll get ads for that. You'll get all sorts of, you'll find it and, <laughs> and follow them. You know, it'll yeah. motivate you when they're closing on number 56. And you're like, right. dang, they bought 56 properties this year. You know, it'll motivate you to do it. And it's, it doesn't have to be comp competition. It just can be a driving motivation. Yeah. Also like just in general, besides Brian, cause he's just not human. Um, but the motivation for anything in life can go away just as fast as it came up. So having a circle of friends, whenever yeah. you're not feeling so motivated to get in your face and be like, Hey, where are you? So example, Jack's missed the, the gym the last three days and this is real. So Jack Juan, I know you're watching, get to the gym. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's that accountability, right? Yeah. People are getting in your face. Hey, why aren't you there? Right. Yeah. So, and it's not to, it's no judgment. It's just to motivation. Like, Hey man, it right. motivates me to see you there. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to it. I look forward to that. So right. the friend circle, um, anybody who's doing it, that'd be the biggest thing. I, that doesn't seem like something that would be necessarily hard to find. I feel like you could find that pretty easy. Right. You know? Well, if, um, how do I put it? If you're the kind of person that they would want to hang out with. Correct. True. You got to be that kind of person. Yes. Yeah. Um, fair point. All right. So uh, Bryce is laughing at the uh, at the comment about Jack Juan. Bryce Markov. Uh, yeah. uh, so Toby, Ima, hopefully I'm saying their name correctly. How can they send you guys deals? Toby? Mm -hmm. Is he local in Oklahoma City? I would assume so. Yeah. Um, AlexMoses.Realtor at gmail.com. I'm not going to put my number out there right do now. It. Do yeah. it. Well, you can, you can add me. Uh, <laughs> please do it. Uh, you can add me on Facebook right now. I mean, yeah. I'm, as soon as I get done with this, I'm yeah. going to check my Facebook Messenger. Add yeah. us on Facebook, Guarantee Messenger, like text years. message, email. Mine's blhpropertiesllc right. at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, send deals. We'd love to look at them. Instagram, Alex Moses underscore real estate, I think. Don't find my Instagram has nothing on it. <laughs> it exists, but it, there's not literally nothing. Yeah. Uh, so there's a comment earlier, so hopefully, um, they're still here. It's, um, how do you guys deal with the six month holdback requirement, uh, for a cash out refi? We don't, we don't. So a lot of banks call a different bank. Yeah. There are plenty of banks out commercial there banks. that, you know, commercial banks, we're doing commercial loans. None of our loans are in our personal holdings. There is a way to do that. If you're going to buy on a conventional, you can do a short term loan, like a hard money loan, or so we've done this before where we do, um, I'll give you two scenarios that would make it make sense on the conventional side, because the commercial side, if they want a six month holding seasoning, call a different bank. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of banks out there yeah. that will do it without, or three months or shorter. And, and if they tell you six month, ask them for an exception. Just like, hey, is there an exception to this? Mm -hmm. Half the time they'll do it. Yeah. Um, on the conventional side, one of the ways we did this, because a lot of our buyers in 2019 did conventional loans. So in order to work around the six month seasoning period for a cash out refi of 80%, we would actually do a hard money loan if they need, if their all in cost was a hundred thousand and that's what they needed their loan to be. We would have a hard money lender or a private money lender or their parents loan them money, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, doesn't matter whoever would do the loan. We'd have them quote loan them a hundred thousand dollars and write a mortgage for a hundred thousand. Then they could bypass the seizing by doing a rate and term refi of a hundred thousand dollars. 
Got it. So we would just structure it the right way on the front end so they could do a rate and term without having to wait. That's awesome. Yeah. What is your biggest struggle right now? More deals? I don't know. I just, uh, I don't want to make it seem like we don't struggle. Yeah, everybody right? struggles. Lately, it's been amazing. I will yeah. say that. Um, yeah. Biggest struggle. I would I would say just in general, it's always time management. Good when it's good and when it's bad. Right. Time management is always a struggle. When it's good, you feel like you have lots of time. You feel like you're kind of on it, but there's always things you could be doing that's more efficient with your time. Mm -hmm. You can always be more effective. I use an example of a salesman working. Uh, the best salesman you've ever met in your life could work two hours of work a week, or let's say ten hours a week. Let's say they work ten hours a week and they get forty hours worth of work done, or forty mm -hmm. hours worth of production, if you will. My thought process as a business owner, it's always been like this for me of, okay, you're working 10 hours. I want you to work 40 hours and get 200 hours worth of production out. Not, but that's not how, that's not the real world. I know exactly shaking your head because it's true, yeah. but that's my thought process. There could always be more if yeah. you, you know, without pushing the limits, without working, you know, again, some people are willing to work 50 hours a week, 60 mm -hmm. hours a week, but even still like working a minimum of 40, mm -hmm. I feel like you could get, if you could, if you're ultra productive, yeah. you should just be incredibly like the, you know, incredibly productive if you just put in that, that amount of hours. Yeah. I think uh, you find really that out. unicorn. Let me know. Correct. I, it doesn't exist. I know. <laughs> I know. But, uh, and then what is your guys' superpower? I'll start with Alex. I don't know if this is a superpower, but I, I would think, and I think most of my friends can attest to this. Like when I first met them, you know, the ability for them to trust me, the first impression, right? So just being myself and, you know, like, Right now, I'm a little nervous, right? But just in general, you know, when just talking to somebody, I, I always believe that they trust me right after that. Mm -hmm. right? I'm not not being myself, not BSing them, um, just having the ability to have one encounter and they trust me. Yeah, so instant trust. Yeah. Instant trust, for sure. I would say it's mine too, building rapport just immediately. I did, I, I had an insurance agency for those years before and it was so easy for me because when I walk into, not easy, nothing is easy, but I mean, it was just, I can, I, people don't put up their guard right away. You know, just, I, I, I guess I'm not an alarming person. Like, Oh, I gotta be careful of this guy. You yeah. know, like we're very, uh, straightforward, very honest, mm -hmm. very, uh, uh, I'm trying to think the best way to say it, but Humble just brag, disarming. Well, no, I just mean like disarming. We're, we're disarming people. And so just, and we're friendly. Like mm -hmm. I will be polite to anyone. I would, if I don't agree with you on something, I'm not, you would never know it. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be polite and talk and act like, you know, treat you like a human. Mm -hmm. treat you like you should be treated. And that's part of, we've always been able to build rapport. We both have that building, kind of that building rapport thing. Yeah. I like to, I can handle a lot. I will say like, just in general, I don't get stressed very easy. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things if I had to describe, that would probably be mine is just not being able to handle a lot without being completely overwhelmed with stuff. Right. Um, and what is the single greatest lesson you've learned? Never leave Brian. <laughs> no. Uh, in, in real estate or just in life? Or? In general, yeah. Greatest lesson I've learned. That's a good one. That is a good one. I don't one. want to give a cliche answer for that. I know. You can go first if you think. I would just... <laughs> can we edit this? No, I'm just, yeah. kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, we can jump on something no, else. No, no, I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. Uh, just be truthful. Yeah. Yeah. Just in general, so many people like get stuck in a position where they don't know what to do. They don't want to say, or they, they don't want to let someone down and not being able to just tell them, right. you know, tell them, Hey, it's this or this, tell them the scenario, be real with them and tell them, apologize. If, if it's a bad thing, apologize. And just to be truthful with mm -hmm. them. That's, and I don't know that I had to learn that. I've learned that lesson my whole life, but just in real estate, that's so applicable to what we do now. Okay. Well, that's one of the most aggravating things Yeah, yeah. is uh, someone screwed up yeah. and now they're 
silent. Yeah. Right. And then, then when you finally get hold, it's like, oh, my mom was in the hospital. I was like, again, like, come on. Yeah. You know, it's not true. You just, just tell me it's yeah. okay to, it's a, life happens. You know, right. we're real people. Everybody understands we're understanding people. And mm-hmm. most people are, if you explain it to them. Um, Brett Murdoch is telling me to stay out of Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a book you've gifted more than any other? Me? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible. Yeah. The Bible. Yeah. Both of you guys. Yeah. I'm, that's only, I'm not a reader. So <laughs> it's terrible. It's embarrassing my, my to story, say. It. Like in itself is a story of redemption. I didn't really touch on like my childhood, but mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the front to the back of the Bible, it's all about redemption. So mm-hmm. I'd say the Bible. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then Alex Mungia, I'm going to Mungia. What are your goals for 2021? Buy more deals from you. Yeah. He's a good wholesaler. He's a great wholesaler. Like one of the best in the city. A Buy a thousand or get to a thousand. Um, We'll, we'll do a. We'll do a <laughs> I want to do 150 yeah. uh, sales and and houses. So yeah. whether that's 100 bought and 50 sales, or you know, vice versa. Yeah. 150 that, we transactions. Talk, we had our, our annual meeting. That was kind of our goal for this year. Again, if, it, if we dwarf that, it's fantastic. I think we'll get to that at least. I think so. And then Abby Giles wants to know what form of marketing you guys are using to get your leads. I know we talked about you guys having wholesalers send you guys deals. Right. Is there a form of marketing you guys are using we're, to get your leads? Doing it now since we've hired the acquisitions guys, we're yeah. going to be doing SMS blast yeah. and cold calling. SMS, we're using Roar for the SMS side. We'll do RVMs with a different company. Yeah. And uh, we sign up for RealFlow is just a, for lead. They do an AI lead gen. Mm-hmm. It's a CG member. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's part two. We hired two acquisition managers to basically call text, all that stuff to do. Um, we just started this week. And we'll do we'll do postgrad it's interesting we've gotten different feedback from different wholesalers we talked to right now about sms specifically mm-hmm. and the concern that that's going to go away in six months or whenever oh so sure going away yeah. yeah and so when that happens they're already starting to preemptively plan for what they can do alternative which is kind of going back to mailers mm-hmm. and so we talked to multiple people that said the same thing so we're going to still do mailers we're going to pick up pretty heavy but then in talking with people it seems to be doing sms until it's gone so, Everyone's different. Yeah. yeah. We've already abandoned text so, messaging. Okay. A, key, a key marketing point that we're having our guys back at the office, like put on a card or a text message is, hey, we own 160 rental properties. Look us up. We want yours to be 161. So we, we think it's <laughs> yeah. going to work. It's actually, Joe's actually got like three deals this week. So yeah, we just started. That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's different. Yeah. We're anonymous in our text messages because we don't want to get sued for TCMA or TCPA. So, yeah, that's why we chose Roar specifically because it didn't. Well, it's supposed to protect you. We'll see. Yeah, I don't believe. We'll see that. how that goes. I don't believe anybody's protecting you. Yeah, that's what Casey told us about. So. Yeah, yeah, shout out. All right, cool. So uh, let me make a uh, couple of announcements, and I want you guys to think about your last thoughts that you guys want to share. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, please, if you guys like this, uh, please like, subscribe, share, comment. It helps us in the algorithms. Uh, and if you guys haven't had a chance yet, check out our book on Amazon Active Listening 2.0. Uh, we do have Terry Thayer coming next week. He's going to be talking about how he's making six figures a year, working five hours a week. So that sounds pretty fun as well. Uh, so for you guys, each of you guys, I'll start with Brian. Last thoughts. Last thoughts. Buy real estate. It's life-changing for people. And I know you know this and the people that listen to the show know this, but it's extremely life-changing to build generational wealth with income. There are so many different perks to real estate from the tax side to income side to, I mean, all those different facets of um, your uh, income and wealth. 
and you can really build generational wealth and you don't have to do it extremely fast. You don't have to buy 160 homes in a couple of years and you don't have to do those things in order to really reap those benefits. Right. Um, it literally is a life-changing thing. And if you don't know someone, call us, message us, we'll answer questions, help with people. Just, it doesn't matter if you're in our market or not, we can tell you, we can answer your most basic questions. Real estate is the same no matter where it's at. Just in mm -hmm. general, the numbers just might have a different zero, you know, an extra zero or two on it. It's the same mm -hmm. concept. Grant Cardone does the same thing we do. There's just more zeros, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's the same concept, different area. And so I would say, uh, find a mentor, find someone you can ask, ask questions on. You have so much content on your website, on Facebook, everything. There's so much content in these, this podcast that um, there's no reason for someone to not jump into real estate and have a, a pretty good understanding, but just to do it, dive in. You know, and yeah. that, and ask questions if you're not sure. People are willing. To, we're all, there are a lot of people, including us, that are willing to help answer yeah. questions. Yeah. And so I would say just buy real estate. It's yeah. it's worth it on yeah. so many different levels. It's great emphasis and reminder, even though we know it. It's yeah. a great reminder. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say a, a find a mentor. So if you're mm. new to the game, whether you're a wholesaler uh, or you want to invest in real estate, work for free. You know what I mean. Be a person of value, so you can be valued by them as well. Mm -hmm. So working for free is big time. In fact, if I if I were to see that today in my messages, I want to give advice to that person. I want that person coming to the gym with me. I want that person being around me, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. be a person of value, find a mentor and get started. And again, one last time, how can someone reach you? Uh, Facebook, Alex Moses, uh, email alexmoses.realtor at gmail.com. And then Instagram, you can just type in Alex Moses and I should come up. So got it. Mine's Brian Higgins on Facebook and it's BLH properties, LLC at gmail.com. Last thing, we're always looking for private money. So just hit me up. Always. And yeah. We cool. pay well. We pay well, just to say that. So, and we're totally fine with that because the numbers make sense. Yeah. Awesome. So. Cool. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Thank you. Cool, awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Great job. I think you did good. Did you just awesome. say that or what?